What is up, everybody? Crazy, crazy first two days of the NFL Draft. It is Saturday. I don't know. What is it, April 25th or something? I don't even know at this point. Welcome back to the Roto Curve NFL Podcast. Adam Pfeiffer here, bringing you a fantasy spin recap podcast from the first two days of the NFL Draft. Uh, it's you know the rest of it's on right now. Not a ton of major picks, but no way I was going to be able to do this podcast by myself with so much stuff to talk about. So brought on my good buddy TJ Hernandez from 444.com. He obviously does a lot of great work there, runs the DFS uh, portion of it, and edited my articles for 444 last year. So he had the, the privilege of editing my all my mistakes. TJ, what's going on, buddy? Pfeiffer, what's up, man? Uh, you know, just uh, we're here almost wrapping up the draft as we record this i actually haven't really got caught up on uh on round five yet which i think we're in the middle of but uh i mean i'm i'm uh i know i think you do a little bit of everything i stick to to best ball and redraft outside of dfs so uh my my focus is on 2020 so really day two was the exciting day obviously round one of the are the big popular names but the that running back movement is uh where we're most excited for redraft purposes i think yeah, it was it was wild, and everybody like it's, we'll talk about it. But the two teams that we expected to be like really big players for running backs were Tampa Bay and Miami, and yep. that didn't really happen. I mean, Miami it did happen later, but we thought it'd be you know a Jonathan Taylor or a Dobbins yeah. or somebody. So it's it's really interesting to see how because I have to do I'm going to be doing my like first set of rankings probably tomorrow, and it's going to be really interesting to see where some of these rookies slide. Not only that, but like the carry on Johnsons and the Marlon Max and these guys that have been impacted, like where they were, you know, top 25 guys probably before the draft. Now they're, you know, well, well below that. So yeah, yeah. Let, let's get right to it. Uh, obviously on Thursday night, no surprise, Joe Burrow goes first overall to the Bengals. And then, I mean, this is going to be a completely different offense last year. Mm-hmm. I, I, you bring in Joe Burrow, who's obviously the best player in the draft, at least the best quarterback, whatever. Um, but not only that, you get Jonah Williams back, their first-round pick from last year. You get A.J. Green back. Both those guys didn't play the entire year. Um, and then you add T. Higgins, who I like a lot yeah. as a receiver. Joe Burrow, I mean, quarterback's deep. We'll, we'll talk about Drew Locke as a guy that could potentially take a step with all the weapons he's getting in Denver. What do you think of Joe Burrow for redraft this year? Because, like I said, like quarterback is insanely deep, like always. Yep. But, I mean, this defense doesn't look like it's going to be that much better. And... Mm-hmm. With AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, John Ross, like he's got some serious weapons. And then I guess we can touch on T. Higgins while we're talking about the Bengals. T. Higgins for me is a 2021 guy because AJ Green's set to be a UFA in 2021. So like T. Yep. Higgins has an outside shot of being the number one receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, not just for 2021, but I mean you pair him with Joe Burrow. That seemed to be their plan to put these two together uh, with their first two picks of the draft. So I think there's a lot to be said for T. Higgins for dynasty. Uh, but yep. what do you think about these two guys for redraft? Uh, I mean, jo- Joe Burrow is going to be uh, for for redraft purposes, unless it's a it's a rushing quarterback. Um, it's never going to be somebody we're too excited about. Probably somebody that you're not even going to need to bother uh, looking at on draft day if we're talking about one quarterback leagues with like a standard um, 16 round draft or something like that. But someone that you're definitely going to be thinking about for streaming purposes uh, as we get into those bye weeks and whatnot. And 
probably going to uh, elevate all of his his pass catchers last year the Bengals they were top five in uh, passing rate in neutral game script uh, but with uh, an offense that didn't really push the ball down the field very well obviously didn't have a lot of accuracy and those are the two things that Joe Burrow is going to bring to the offense is accuracy and the ability to push the ball down the field Um, not a lot of open targets for T Higgins like you mentioned Uh, they didn't really lose anybody but uh, there is an outside chance they still consider moving AJ Green yeah. and Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd was the only player on the uh, the team last year. This has a little bit to do with injuries, but the only player on the team with, last year with a target share above thirteen percent. So if they do end up moving Green, uh, T Higgins can end up being a uh, a sneaky guy that sees a decent uh, target share just because there wasn't anybody that commanded a big target share after Boyd. Uh, Adam Tate had a, a decent stretch uh, towards the end of the season last year. Obviously, John Ross started really hot and then um, and then got hurt. Um, but if they do move AJ Green, that would make it worth considering maybe dra- uh, drafting T Higgins in the last couple rounds of your redraft or best ball leagues. Yeah, and I mean, there's you. I mean, Green's what 31, 32, will be thirty two when yeah. the season starts. Like there's. There's not really a future for him there, especially when this team's clearly rebuilding. I could easily see them trading him. If they do trade him before the season starts, like the receiver rookie class just gets even more loaded because T. Higgins would yep. be a thing. Um, and if they don't trade him before the season starts, but they trade him else uh, another time or if he just walks in free agency, like T. Higgins is really interesting in Dynasty because you get to learn yep. alongside A.J. Green and then you get to get, you know, kind of build up with Joe Burrow for the next year. So he's somebody interesting for me. And yeah, I agree with Burrow. You're not going to need to draft him most likely, but he's he's going to have some weeks and he, he can run a little bit. So definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll stay with quarterback real quick. Tua Tagovailoa, Miami Dolphins, not too shocking. There, there was the reports that they were maybe tr- thinking about trading up for a lineman. I don't think anybody believed that. So the Dolphins, it was kind of hard for them to not have a good draft with all the picks they have, but they've been doing a really good job of not only you know figuring out the two as their guy, but they've been building around him pretty well. They just mm-hmm. traded for Matt Breda. They've been go- they they drafted an offensive line. Um, what do you think of Tua? Because I think for redraft, like him and Burrow are probably not really on my radar on draft day. But I mean, we know Tua can run a little bit. We know he's talented. Miami's interesting because Fitzpatrick was a quarterback, like, I think it was the QB, like, five, the last eight weeks of the year, mainly just because Miami's game script, they were always behind. They they had the worst yep. running game in the NFL. Like, they had, um, you know, Patrick Laird and Kalen Blage, who is probably the worst running back in football. Like, they just couldn't run the ball, and they were getting <laughs> yeah. behind. So a lot of it was off value, or off volume for Fitzpatrick. What do you think of two? Any, any interest for, for redraft this year? I don't. I don't think so. Just because I mean, there's still a chance that they redshirt him, or yeah. at least don't start him till like uh, like after the halfway point in the season. If he if he is healthy, even if he is 100 percent healthy, there's a chance that uh, they just ease him into the season, just not take any risks on it. And then uh, if Fitzpatrick does have like his classic like 10 interceptions in three games, like somewhere in like the week eight through 10 stretch, and they say, all right, let's let Tua uh, close out this last four or five games of the season or something like that. So I don't think you need to. Uh, really consider him for for redraft right now uh you mentioned them them not moving on running back uh high in the draft which is a little bit of a surprise to everybody so going into this podcast it looked like that one of the big winners uh in terms of inaction was going to be jordan howard 
but then they uh, they go and trade a fifth round pick for Matt Breda, which is probably the most exciting thing we'll see on um, day three outside of Trent Williams moving as well. But uh, that that Breda situation, all of a sudden now it's a it looks like it'll probably be a true running back by committee um, in Miami. Uh, Breda the better runner there but as we saw last year jordan howard can definitely mess up a, a running back's upside like he did with miles sanders early in the season uh, um with those goal line looks so um that's going to be a, a tough offense out, outside of parker and maybe if you like a um or or preston williams to uh to touch but uh um definitely a running back by committee situation and possibly a quarterback by committee situation at least for 2020 yeah, I, I think the Breda news, I, like Howard was a huge winner, and he he was he would have been like the he he could still be like the least sexiest the least sexy pick in your draft, but yeah, I think they use these guys very similarly as Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders were used with the yep. Eagles. I think that's yep. kind of exact. Like you look at it before Howard got hurt, Howard was over just over thirteen carries per game. Sanders was at eleven, but we know Sanders was the pass catching back. I think that's going to be the same situation. I think. If Miami Miami's going to be better, but we still don't project them as a team that's going to be you know eight, nine, ten wins. They'll still be trailing games. That'll obviously benefit Brita. Um, so Brita's probably going to go earlier in drafts because he's the more he's the more explosive, higher upside player. Last two years, uh, five point two yards per touch, which was twenty first in the NFL last year. Then the year before that, when he really kind of broke on the scene, six uh, yards per touch, top ten in the league. So he's definitely the most explosive player. If they if they get behind in games, Breda's probably going to outscore Howard. I would imagine Howard gets the goal yeah. line work. Uh, but I think right now, like especially with a lot of potential committees at, at running back, we'll talk about. I think both are kind of going to be in, the, in that flex consideration. Uh, I, I think they can both get like twelve touches a game. Um, you know, yeah. if Miami isn't down, you know, by twenty four in the second quarter, but they should be better. So, yeah, Miami yeah, I, really interesting. Yeah, I mean Jordan Howard, he went from like he was potentially going to be one of the biggest losers in this draft. If Mm -hmm. Miami did move on, on a, on a day two running back. Um, and he went from just not really a big loser. Like, I don't think we expect like Jordan Howard, isn't going to be a 320 touch guy. I think he capped out at around like, uh, like just under or right at 300 in the second year, but really he's like, a you expect him to be more like a 250 touch guy. Um, and now I see both of these running backs, probably both exceeding 200 touches in this offense uh and as we saw yesterday which we'll get to the running back by committee at at least after the draft yesterday is like the overwhelming um uh, majority in the nfl right now like all the bell cow opportunities are just falling off so they're both going to be fine flex values maybe even running back twos because we don't have that many bell cows left after yesterday yeah um one more quarterback, Justin Herbert, not a surprise. He goes to the Chargers at six overall. Anthony Lynn, former uh, offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills during Tyrod's time there, still saying Tyrod's the guy. I believe him, honestly. I, I don't think yeah. I don't think Herbert – I think it's probably extremely similar to, to the Baker-Tyrod situation in Cleveland a couple years ago when Tyrod started mm-hmm. the first couple games. He did get hurt, for what it's worth. I think he got concussed, and then Baker came in. Uh, but he was he was gonna he was playing terribly in Cleveland start yep. the season, so it was gonna happen anyway. But I think Tyrod's the quarterback to start the season. If it is different though, because you have a really good it's the Chargers though. I'm sure they'll they'll ruin it somehow. But like you have talent all across the board on that team. So yeah. like if they're four and four, you know, three and three, like 
above or at 500. I don't see a reason where they just say, all right, Justin Herbert, like it's your time. So um, I, I'm probably going to play some Tyrod this year in DFS just because like best supporting cast he's ever had familiarity with the offense of court or with the head coach still in my opinion a talented quarterback he's not like a top 15 guy or anything but yeah I don't think Justin Herbert plays until maybe like week six or seven and that's only if the Chargers are underwhelming yeah this this whole offense I think probably goes through uh through some post river growing pains I mean uh Tyrod is going to be a good fantasy quarterback because he can get it done with his legs and and we know we could chuck it a little bit um but he's taken over an offense that was second in passing rate and neutral game script last year and no Tyrod offense is going to uh to pass that heavily because he is going to take away um a, a lot of those a lot of those passing opportunities are going to turn into scrambles and then if it does end up being Justin Herbert, whether it's early uh, or a couple of games into the season or even late into the season, now you have a, a, a rookie quarterback commanding an offense. Um, probably one of, of the biggest um, swings that will will happen with, with who the quarterback is, is Austin Eckler, who already we probably don't expect him to be like a 300 touch guy. They just brought in Joshua Kelly. They drafted him today, mm-hmm. who's going to definitely push Justin Jackson um, for that number two spot. And then we'll probably take some early down work um from Eckler but the the thing I'm interested in is uh Justin Herbert is mobile but he's not going to pull it down and and run it uh six or seven times a game uh like Tyrod is going to do or even more sometimes and those mobile quarterbacks they generally um their running backs typically don't have very high target shares because a lot of those plays that turn into running back passes just end up being running back um, I'm sorry, quarterback rushes. So if Tyrod does play um, early in the season and extend late into the season, we lose a lot of Austin Eckler's upside. So it's a uh, it's an interesting situation to monitor, and I think one that will fly under the radar because people just associate quarterback with the pass catchers, which makes sense intuitively. Um, but that's one situation I'm really watching for Eckler's value specifically. Yeah, I think I think people also I've seen a lot of people throwing the numbers out when Tyrod was in Buffalo that. He targeted the running backs a lot. Let's remember that, and I know this better than anybody, there was mm-hmm. a time where LaShawn McCoy led the team in targets the one year because they had Kelvin yeah. Benjamin and Andre Holmes as their starting yes. receivers. Like and they yeah. had and they had Charles Clay at tight end. And yeah. like they, they didn't have anybody. So yeah, and if we if we actually look at like the like sure, sure shady um, standing alone compared to other running backs, he had high target numbers. But if we look at the actual target share to the position, even with those um, players on on those teams, uh, Tyrod was still kind of middle in the pack in terms of like overall target share to the running backs. Yeah. And and char- whereas Chargers were a team that were number one by a big margin in that last year, and Philip Rivers is is a quarterback that uh, loves throwing to his uh, th- to his running backs. And again, it goes back to that correlation the, the 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 mobile passers typically don't do it as high rate as the the uh, non-mobile passers i have no data to support this but i feel like austin eckler had to like the last couple of years has had to have led have been among the league leaders at running back in fantasy points in the fourth quarter i swear i swear to yeah, god that's, he's had that's to. a good that makes sense yeah that's a good one to look it's, into dude it's like this is the first time in like what 20 plus years that we're gonna have a mobile quarterback in los angeles or san diego whatever way you want to look at it like yeah it's yeah. gonna be completely different and he, even if herbert's starting like he's he's not tyrod he's not lamar jack he's not any of those guys but he's also nowhere near philip rivers because the only guy that is is eli manning and maybe tom brady so it's <laughs> yeah. gonna be a really interesting dynamic um i have no interest in talking about this but the packers i mean 
I don't. That I, I mean, I, 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 that's good. This again, I'm 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 still just 27. I've been watching the draft for a while, but I'm not as you know experienced with as other people. But might possibly be the worst draft I've ever watched a team construct in my life. Well, I I grew up a, a Raiders fan, and I've since come to my senses, and and DFS has made me a neutral fan. But uh, so I, I've grown up watching maybe one of the worst drafting teams in the league oh, outside yeah. of outside of the Browns, and I've never seen anything like this. Like this is this is a complete like debacle, a complete slap in the face to to like a, a, I know it's it's. Anybody that watches football would probably agree that the Packers' win total didn't match their uh, their talent. They're probably more like a nine or a ten win team instead of a thirteen win team. But still, to be a thirteen win team, to be one game away from the Super Bowl and do nothing to help a quarterback that has a couple years left to, if he even has a window left to win a Super Bowl, um, it, it it's really bad. I mean, like. Why not just like if you're gonna do this? Why not blow up the team last year when you bring in the new head coach? Bills are trapped to Jake Fromm. It's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice. I I uh, I do not got the live ticker up in front of me. That's I don't what either. The Packers I, should just wait until now. Have, right. I just have Twitter open, and apparently Jake Fromm's a Bill. Um, Eagles also just traded for Marquise Goodwin. So. That's a that's an interesting. Uh, I mean, they we'll talk so about got, we'll talk about. I, yeah. Let's let's talk about it now. We don't have to go in order. Yeah. Screw it, because I think sure. Jalen Rager is among the top rookies in fantasy at receiver at the mm-hmm. moment. Jalen Rager drafted by the Eagles. Um, Eagles fans are just livid that they didn't get CD Lamb, but it's like you can't. It's not Madden. You can't force a team to trade out of that spot. So, right. um, yeah, Jalen Rager really interesting because the Eagles on paper you still have Alshon, you still have Deshaun Jackson, you have the tight ends, you have Miles Sanders, and now you have Marquise Goodwin. But are Marquise Goodwin, Deshaun Jackson, and Alshon Jeffrey the highest injury risk receiver trio in NFL history? Because there's not a shot <laughs> yeah. those three guys play a combined. There's no way all three. I would be surprised if all three of them played at like 12 games or more. So like uh, Jalen Rager has got an opportunity at, at, at times this year to be maybe not the number one target because of the tight ends, mm-hmm. but the number one wide receiver on that team. Yeah, that I mean, this is another one we were just talking about. AJ Green, Alshon. Um, I I don't have his contract situation in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he's a player that that they could cut or move without uh, really taking a big hit. So, um, I mean, based on on the moves that they're making, the draft and now uh now bringing in Goodwin, they got they got at least two field stretchers in in Goodwin and Deshaun, which is always going to be a good thing for um that's going to clear it out for the players that regardless of what they've done today in the trade and, and this week in the draft with Rager, um, I, I do think that their top two targets will still be their their tight ends, both tight ends. I, I believe that uh, that Ertz and Goddard will be one, two in targets. Um, but clearing it out for those guys, if they are going to be, that makes a lot of sense from a real football sp- perspective. Uh, Rager, he concerns me a, a little bit um, just because he kind of fits more of that, um, that gadget prototype player instead of a traditional wide receiver and and uh unless you are like a a, a Tyreek Hill who isn't a gadget type player but just isn't going to be that traditional guy that you just put at x or something like that um a lot of times it's hard for for um teams to turn those guys into um high volume players so not to say they aren't good players but from a fantasy standpoint can often be very frustrating because uh a guy a lot of times those guys are going to end up 
having they'll have their seven to ten target games followed up by a three or four target game with a couple rushes mixed in. Um, and I think that's how they're going to end up using him. Uh, I, I think Rager has. Uh, I, I know you said you like him a little bit. I think there's a legit chance he's like even if he is the number one wide receiver on this team, can be fourth in targets if they let yeah. Miles Sanders be Miles Sanders. Like it could be the two tight ends and then Miles Sanders the top three targets. I wouldn't on this be. Team. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Miles Sanders had the most catches among any running back not named Christian McCaffrey this year like he he has that type of skill set as a pass catcher yeah I made one someone tweeted out like what's your preseason hot take and and I said it kind of tongue-in-cheek but actually when when you look at this offense and what we just talked about like a couple fast receivers a gadget receiver and then tight ends that uh, Miles Sanders is going to be the first running back to ever catch double-digit touchdowns in a season. Uh, the most ever Dude, I nine. Could, I could so easily like, see that because yeah. they don't – I'm assuming – the thing with Alshon and, and Deshaun Jackson, they, they don't just get injured, but they don't play through injuries. So they're not right. – if they're if they're hurt, especially with you know with Deshaun Jackson, it's always lower body injuries. And with Alshon, a lot of times, it's, it's like that soft tissue. Like they don't play through injuries. And yeah. – if Alshon's not there, you really don't have a red zone target in this offense. Like Zach Ertz and yeah. Goddard are are fine, but like you don't have a big presence. Marquise Goodwin, small receiver. Jalen Rager's five nine or five ten. Like they wouldn't have a red zone guy. So I could see Sanders. Like I could legitimately see that happening. Um, yeah, and he's not a guy that like is just catching dump offs. Like he can run legit routes. Yeah, he, he can run. Yeah. He can you can throw it to him thirty yards down the field. Yeah, he was the most. He was one of the most efficient pass catching running backs in the league last year. So I think it's interesting. Um, Jalen Rager is kind of like the Cam Akers of receivers. Like his playing <laughs> situation really was terrible. Comparison. He had uh, PFF charted thirty one percent of his targets catchable. It was the lowest rate in the class. Like uh, mm-hmm. I watched a lot of his highlights. Like he, I tweeted it because Eagles fans were pissed about the pick, which I don't really get. Like he's a good player, but like there was a, he had had a disgusting double. He's probably one of the top three separation getters in this class. Like right behind Jerry Judy. Like, he's that mm-hmm. good at with his speed and separation. Uh, had, like, a nasty double move, then the ball was thrown, like, six yards over his shoulder towards the sideline, and he had to adjust yeah. the catch. would have been a touchdown. But I, I think he's interesting. I had him as the top rookie receiver after day one, or or after he was drafted, and then I kind of moved Justin Jefferson above him. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of guys, though, so we'll talk about it. But, like I said, I think Alshon and, Je- and Deshaun Jackson are – out of the lineup together a couple times this year. It's just there's no reason to think they won't be. Uh, and then Marquise Goodwin is kind of a really similar player to Jalen Rager, but I don't think he's as complete. But, I mean, still one of the fastest players in the league. But he's also been really injured, so he's really interesting. Um, do you want to stick with the Eagles real quick and talk any mention anything with Jalen Hurts, probably the surprise pick of the draft? Um, I mean, I, I guess <sighs> – it's kind of it's kind of easy, right? Like if if Carson Wentz gets hurt, Jalen Hurts is going to be very fantasy right. relevant. If he doesn't, right. then you don't touch. At him. least you can you can see the logic there, for, like compared to what the Packers did, where like when like Packers drafted a, a quarterback that might not see the field for three years, where Carson Wentz hasn't been able to stay on the field. But I mean, like spending still spending that kind of draft capital on a hypothetical is, seems like pretty bad process still. Yeah, I even mean, if even if you are planning on getting him on the field in some kind of uh, Taysom Hill type role, but like you don't uh, the problem the problem I had is the Eagles had huge huge needs and they addressed them later. Yeah. But like cornerback, they're they're going to be starting Joe Mills at safety this year, mm-hmm. which probably isn't as bad as him starting at corner because yeah you won't have to rely on him not biting on double moves. But I could see him just getting lost like so he's a starting safety along with. Um, 
uh, Roddy McLeod. And then the corners, obviously, add Darius Slay. I'm going to be, this is completely off topic, but I'm going to be starting, like, wide receiver twos against the Eagles and DFS all year. Like, they haven't had a lockdown guy. I don't think Darius Slay's a lockdown guy, but he's the closest thing they've ever had probably in the last, I don't know. Like, they, Namdi was obviously a joke. So I like wide receiver twos against them all year. And, um, yeah, they, they needed linebacker help. They needed cornerback help, and I, I didn't get it. But it's kind of easy, right? I mean, Wentz has had freak injuries. If he gets hurt, Jalen Hurts probably has, like, top 15, top 12 upside because there's speed sure. all over that offense now. Um, there's two really good tight ends. There's a good offensive coach in Doug Peterson, and he ran for 20 touchdowns last year. So he has that. He's probably, you know, it's what, Lamar Jackson, Kyler, Josh Allen, and then you could put Jalen Hurts right up there in terms of mobile quarterbacks in the NFL right now. He's that He's that yeah. dynamic. Yeah, you can make the argument that uh, this might be the worst uh, worst defensive division in the league. Yeah, that and NFC South, like it's gonna be. I also think um, I will talk about this later. I'll, I'll wait till we get to that team actually, because I have I have a take on them. But yeah, I, I'm. We'll talk. We'll, we'll go right into this. CD Lamb to the Cowboys. Mm. CD Lamb was my favorite, not receiver, but just favorite player in this class. I wanted him to go to a team where he could get 120 targets. This isn't it, but my goodness, this this offense should be theoretically unstoppable because yep. if Amari Cooper goes back to the slot, which I think Cooper and Lamb are going to play in the slot and Gallup's going to remain outside per, like 85% of the time. I think mm-hmm. he was out I think he was in the slot like 6 7% of the time last year. He's been very good on the outside so far in his career. One of the best contested catch guys in the league. So Cooper um with his route running and everything in the slot, I could see them using him very similarly similarly to how the Saints use Michael Thomas, which wow would be Really good for him, but you also have yep. C.D. Lamb, who's going to command targets. I think he averaged sure. like over five yards per route run in the, in the slot. This team's really interesting. Obviously, Dak's a big winner. He should be you know, a locked-in top-five guy. But how do you see this panning out for the rest of the receivers? Because I loved, loved Michael Gallup heading into the season. Um, didn't think C.D. Lamb would be on the board for him to take at 17. But, I mean, C.D. Lamb isn't just like a, a rookie and it's like they need a the slot guy. Right. You just plug him in and he'll get some work. But... Randall Cobb had like 85 targets last year. Exactly, exactly. So there, there's a ton to unpack here with Dallas. Um, going into the draft, they were um, the the chalk was them um, going and addressing their defense, where which they obviously struggled. Whether it be a corner, um, a safety, or an edge rusher, they could have used uh, any of those. Um, went with offense, which I really liked. And in, in a mock draft the night before, um, I I mocked Dallas taking a re- receiver. I, I was hoping. It would be Henry Ruggs because just based on how we thought the draft was going to play out, um, it, it looked like Ruggs might be the guy that uh, that falls to them there if the Jets or the 49ers um, didn't take a receiver, which it ended up neither of them did with those uh, those early first round picks. But uh, as we now know, it ended up being C.D. Lamb, uh, and this is a lot of people are talking this up as as an historical great wide receiver draft class. Um, which is something that we really have to pay attention to because for the most part, we, we can typically uh, write off rookie wide receivers in redraft. They just, it's not, we, we rarely see um, any rookie wide receiver break uh, the, the 100 target mark. I think we've seen, um, we've seen 19 in the past 10 years and seven of those came in the 2014 season, that, that great draft class. So usually it's maybe one per year that breaks the hundred target. You mean, you mean mark. the draft class where the bills traded up for Sammy Watkins? 
<laughs> yes, that's 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 the one. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, uh, this is one of those rare draft classes where we could see a couple. Um, we might see a couple wide receivers uh, do very well. But for CD Lamb specifically, what you mentioned, I, I don't think he hurts Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup as much as people might initially think. Uh, like you said, Amari in the slot that could keep his target share where it was, or even boost it up a little bit, and then. Not only Randall Cobb, who you mentioned, um, but Jason Witten. They both opened up uh, 80 plus targets. So there's there's almost there's well over 150, somewhere around 170 targets uh, vacated from last season. And and that's not a, a perfect way to project targets going into the season. It's not apples to apples every season. But this is a team that's obviously uh, building up their offense to throw a lot. So. I think with uh, with those guys gone, with us not knowing what Blake Jarwin is, he doesn't automatically get those 80 targets that Jason Witten saw last year. That's that's uh, the I, guy I think, that gets killed. Like Jarwin was like a, starting to gain some steam as a as a sleeper yeah. tight end. Like he his value is pretty much crushed. Right. So if if we have Amari and Lamb rotating um, slot and 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 outside uh, snaps and Gallup staying exclusively on the outside, I think Gallup can still command like around a twenty percent target share. But we're going to probably see his redraft stock plummet. He was going around um, like I believe he was going around like that wide receiver twenty four to thirty range, or maybe a tad higher in some drafts. But now with Lamb there, I could see Gallup dropping out of the top forty receivers drafted, and that's just going to mean a, a really good value for just an offense that probably is going to be really potent. So sure, maybe he will end up having some games that are very frustrating, but I think he's also going to have a lot of uh, weak uh, weak winning games and. And you want those kind of guys on your team. So if you're getting him as your wide receiver three or four, he's going to be a really good target in redraft. And uh, C.D. Lamb is is similar, um, going to have some boom weeks, but someone probably that isn't going to be as consistent as the veterans on the team. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use this. Dak's obviously the huge winner. Yeah, Dak's going to crush. Um, I, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to get Gallup later, like you said. And Gallup yeah. was the one guy that, when you mentioned the NFC East defense, is like, Darius Slay goes to the Eagles. James Bradbury goes to the Giants. If Amari, it's going to be interesting to see how Dallas's receivers use because, like, the number two receivers for those those opposing teams against the Giants and Eagles, like, I think they're going to have big weeks against those teams. Yeah. Um, I really like it. Um, Henry Ruggs was the first receiver off the board though, and then the Raiders drafted like seventeen more, uh, and then <laughs> yeah. Jerry Judy goes to Denver at fifteen. Talk about those two. Ruggs is interesting because after day one, it was like okay, he. He might have the, the the best path, the clearest path to targets among at least mm-hmm. the the consensus top three. But then you know you still have Darren Waller, you still have Hunter Renfro, Tyrell Williams, and then they added a handful more receivers. Um, how how would you kind of profile Rugs and Jerry Judy? Jerry Judy goes to Denver. I, when he was drafted, I was like, okay, he's going to be their slot guy. He played like sixty percent of the slot at out at Alabama. Um, Sutton didn't play in the slot at all, and then Emmanuel Sanders was kind of their slot guy before they traded him. Moved Deshaun Hamilton there. He didn't really pan out. So I, I was sitting here saying, you know, they'll probably use Judy like 60, 75, 60 to 70 percent in the slot. But then they drafted KJ Hamler, who was essentially only a slot guy at Penn State. Uh, starting with Ruggs, um, I mean, he is the, the problem with Ruggs is he's going to be um, tied to Derek Carr, who uh, I mean, Ruggs is a really fast guy, but he actually didn't he actually didn't run um, as many deep routes as you would think uh, of a speedster from uh like him but uh it's it's kind of like a, a chicken or egg situation with the raiders because have they not been pushing the 
uh, ball down the field with Carr or because of Carr, or have, have they not been pushed in the ball down the field because they haven't been able to? So, uh, I, I mean, I think it's an offense that's still just going to be a little bit shaky with Carr. Ruggs isn't a guy that I'm necessarily going to be targeting. I don't think those uh, the plethora of receivers they drafted later are necessarily going to hurt Ruggs' chance at being like a 100, 110 target guy in his rookie season, um, but probably not going to be uh, crazy consistent in this offense that – is still going to I think they're still going to lean on the run a lot um drafted Josh Jacobs in the first round last year and, and uh Gruden's going to lean that way where Judy sure he's paired up with Court, Cortland Sutton but I actually like his situation a little bit more Broncos uh our team it looks like they're really trying to build around Drew Locke I think they're doing what Green it, Bay should have done Exactly. They're doing exactly what Green Bay should have done. Um, And at wide receiver, I just think talent wins out. Um, I think Judy can go toe for toe if we're going to pick a receiver that is going to uh, be one of those dominant guys this year. Uh, Sure, Cortland Sutton is there, but there's no reason to think that two wide receivers can't uh, succeed in the same system. It's all really going to come down to uh, how does Drew Locke perform? at, At least we have a little bit of the unknown there with uh, him whereas Carr, like we know what he is we know what the raiders are so they have a little bit of built-in upside because uh if drew lock does end up being decent then that that uh gives judy a little bit of a boost so i i still like judy despite the fact that he's uh he's with uh Cortland sutton there a lot of people think uh he's pretty he was pretty clearly the top wide receiver in the draft and i think that talent will uh will pretty much prevail uh pick 22 the vikings the pick they acquired in the Stephon Diggs trade. Justin Jefferson just kind of seemed like a really logical choice for them. Mm-hmm. He's interesting. He could easily lead all rookie receivers and targets this year. Yeah. I know he's in a run-first offense, um, probably you know outside of the Niners and Ravens, the run-first offense in the NFL. But Stephon Diggs, you know, because he he missed – I think he missed a couple games. Um, no, did he miss any games? I know Thielen missed a ton. I'm just assuming Stephon Diggs missed um, games because he has Diggs, in the past. Um, Diggs missed one game last year. Okay, so he only missed one game. He had under 100 but he targets. But he was on the injury report for quite a few. Which is not surprising. But, yeah, I mean, he didn't even reach 100 targets. So that's just kind of – and that's consider, that's with Adam Thielen missing so much time. So that's yep. that just shows how run first his team was. But, I mean, Justin Jefferson's immediately the wide receiver two on, on this team – People are kind of questioning what his slot usage will be because Thielen will play inside a lot. But, like, Jefferson played outside a lot in 2018, and then yeah. last year he was essentially only a slot guy at LSU. Um, the LSU also was just loaded on, on offense. So, I mean, Jefferson, yeah, he, he was on the slot for 575 is 583 routes. Um, I know it's a run-first offense, but if they, like— New new uh, new offensive coordinator there. Like yes. if they throw the ball any bit more, like Justin Jefferson could easily lead all these rookies in targets this year. Yeah, Stefanski was. Uh, it it seemed a lot like it was Stefanski that was uh, the reason they were so run heavy. He he took over an interim status in 2018. They almost immediately went to a very run heavy offense, um, and then that carried over into last year. Now with Gary Kubiak, who's a little bit more balanced, uh, we might not see as uh, as an extreme um, run heavy offense, but I, I do think they'll still. 
slant towards the run. Kirk Cousins isn't a quarterback that's necessarily going to push the ball way down the field. He was uh, bottom 10 in, um, in deep rate last season, which is why I think this is a pretty good landing spot for, uh, for Justin Jefferson. Some people might say that he's a little bit of a redundant asset with Adam Thielen, but if Kirk Cousins is your quarterback, that kind of makes sense. If they both can, uh, can dominate or, or be interchangeable in that intermediate area of the field, that's really good for um for uh cousins and yeah if if somebody if it's i think judy and jefferson are are my clear picks to be the uh the the top rookies in terms of targets but i do think we have a sleeper in there who i think we'll probably get to pretty soon yeah i wonder if we're talking about the same guy i think we might be (laughs) um all right, real quick, uh, Brandon Ayuk to the Niners. I think this mm-hmm. is a perfect scheme fit. Uh, I think yep. he led all receivers in this draft class in yards after the catch. I tweeted this out all week, but Jimmy Garoppolo led the, the league in yards after catch per completion. That's how Kyle Shanahan wants to run his offense when he throws, get guys you know, kind of in good situations. I think this is great for Debo Samuel, who I really like this year. We People are going to look at his like, overall numbers, but like, yeah, he's not really an alpha. We got to remember, he was not a full-time player until like the second half of the year because you had right. the whole... Dante Pettis situation, um, and then he wasn't playing full snaps. But the fact that they didn't go out and get like a CD Lamb or an Alpha to that extent, I think Debo Samuel is really, really a winner that people won't talk about much. I like the fit with Brendan Ayuk. Probably not somebody I'm going to look to very often, but I think this really, really helps Debo Samuel. And I mean, you add Trent Williams to this mix now, and Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely definitely helps him too. Yeah, and it's going to be an offense that uh, that's throwing, like you said, they were. Uh, I think you said Jimmy Garoppolo led the league in, in uh, yards after the catch for his uh, on his passes, and, yeah, and that's 6. what they're going to do there. Yeah, they're going to run a lot of short crossing routes, and and Ayuk fits that perfectly. Uh, Kittle is the alpha in this offense, and um, I mean Debo is a guy that they're they're going to use him kind of like they're going to use Ayuk. They're just going to they're going to. Uh, try to get them in space, try to get them to break tackles. And, and uh, Samuel didn't need a, he, he wasn't a guy that was going to see like nine or 10 targets a game anyway. So you no. didn't want them, you didn't want them to bring in that alpha because that really, really would have hurt him. So when they passed uh, in the front half of the draft on a receiver, he ended up being one of the bigger winners, but he's also a guy that's going to add, uh, you know, two to four rushes. I was just going to say, I think he's going to average like 10 opportunities per game. I think he's going to get legitimately yeah. three carries a game. Yeah, uh, Shanahan, he's not going to be like the most fantasy-friendly coach. They just got uh, they got rid of Bredo, which uh, that obviously boosts Mostert's um, status a little bit. I was actually I was actually nervous about how bullish people were on Mostert because of his hot end of the season, just knowing how Shanahan used running backs. But uh, he obviously is is in a really good spot now, assuming they don't move um, on a running back. Any, anywhere else which uh, this late in the draft or this late in the offseason it, it doesn't make sense that they would um, but they, they can kind of compensate for that loss of Bredo with Debo Samuel like like you said I think that's how they will do it last pick of the first round probably the most interesting for fantasy Clyde Edwards Hilaire to the Kansas City Chiefs this is this is very fun uh, apparently Patrick Mahomes like called him they were like who do you want and he was like go get Clyde Edwards Hilaire uh, Andy yeah. Reid comped into Brian Westbrook but said he's better than Westbrook Mm-hmm. Um, where 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 does he kind of come off the board? Because probably got to be the one on one. You could argue Jonathan Taylor with him, but I mean, you take him in the first round with his pass catching ability alongside Patrick Mahomes, and like, there's a ton of potential here. 
Yeah, I mean, with with what Damian did down the stretch last year, I, I don't think he automatically. Uh, I don't think Ch automatically comes in and is like an eighty percent uh, running back touch share guy. Uh, but even if he is like sixty five percent, which would still put him way up there, like like that's that two thirds of running back touches mark is kind of where you're like teetering on the top twelve running backs in terms of of, of running back touch share. Um, I think that's very likely for him. The uh, if we look at half PPR scoring last year, the um, Chiefs across the entire season with all their running backs averaged about uh, 20 points per game. If you give uh, CEH 60 to 65 percent of that, he's looking like in the running back 12 to running back 15 range. So I think that's a pretty good medium projection for him with obviously a lot more upside because of the touchdown. And uh, if you're in PPR league, even more um, upside uh, in the best offense in the league. Uh, so I think that like running back 12 to 15 range is where I want him in redraft. I think because it's the Chiefs, you're probably never going to get him there. Um, yeah, I, I, I could I could easily see him ending up, especially because the if you've played any best ball um, this year, you already know that the the run on running backs is very early. It's it's not um, it's not improbable to see 14 to 15 running backs going off the board in the first two rounds this year. So I could easily see CEH, um, in some really running back heavy drafts being drafted at the one, two turn already. Uh, and that's just how it's going to be. It's, it, it takes a whole league for a player's value to fall, but it only takes one drafter to uh, spike their value. And I think in almost every draft, there's going to be someone that loves this chief's offense enough, enough to take CEH as a top 10 running back. Yeah, at the moment, he's my RB18, so I probably won't get him. But he's clearly in a great spot. Um, going to be probably one of the more polarizing players, I think, over the summer. Yeah, he's going to be a guy, if you're, if you're playing, if you're like a high-volume best ball player, um, after you get like 30 or 40 drafts in, you're, gonna, you're probably just going to want to force yeah. um, a couple shares just because you want the if there is a a dominant running back in this offense you're going to have to have exposure to them and it's if you don't have them value there it's it's you're not going to be excited about it but you're just gonna have to reach a couple times in best ball and if damian williams goes down like it's he has like top five upside legitimately so all right let's go to the second round i want to start with the running backs because there's a lot to break down here Mm -hmm. the lions i knew they were going to draft a running back i didn't think it'd be the second running back off the board deandre swift who was my favorite running back in this class goes 35th overall to detroit carrion johnson has not been able to stay healthy and now you have probably a committee to start um i think swift's a better player i think he could easily surpass carrion but uh, it's really difficult to project this offense right now because not only do you have carrion and swift but you also have marvin jones kenny galladay hawkinson and amandol in the passing game so there is a lot of options right now um for DeAndre Swift in talent wise and ability, he's my RB one from this class. But um, yep. for fantasy this year, he's probably like my RB four or five. It's just it's it's a good offense if he's the guy. But I don't know if that's going to be fully the case at least this year. Yeah, it's um it's an offense that um it, it's interesting in terms of trying to figure out their identity because uh before Stafford got hurt last year he was uh one of the most efficient passers in the league with um with that receiving core I, I still like their receiving core a lot but they have a coach that wants to slant towards the run so there's a little bit of a disconnect there uh but one thing that Stafford has uh, done consistently throughout his career is uh, target the running back uh, quite a bit. And DeAndre Swift wasn't he wasn't huge 
um, in in terms of receptions out of the backfield, but uh, does do it decent enough where if Stafford continues to want to do that and they're looking for a back that's going to give them three downs of work, Swift is eventually going to overtake uh, carry on as the main back. So I agree with you. He's a, he's a running back that will probably start out in a committee that you're probably going to want to have a little patience with. So if you were somebody that was willing to draft a Miles Sanders and sit on him last year, then you want to do that with Swift this year. Jonathan Taylor, the Colts trade up a few spots to get to 41, and they take Jonathan Taylor. This is very, very mm-hmm. interesting because, in my opinion, Marlon Mack is a very good running back. He's been great when yeah. healthy for them. Now he has had some issues staying healthy. Um, he averaged 18 carries per game last year when he was healthy, and he was 7th overall with 247 carries. Now, despite missing a few games. If you remember, before he got hurt, he was like, I think he led the NFL in rushing in rushing attempts like yeah. the first couple weeks of the season. So. This is a, an offense that wants to run the ball behind probably the best offensive line in the NFL. In terms of scheme fit, it is incredible. Jonathan Taylor is like an incredible um, an incredible runner behind an offensive line. Like he knows how to run behind his line. And I mean, with Quentin Nelson, like this team, I think they were fifth in yards before contact created. Like if he's the guy right away, he could smash this year. But Marlon Mack's also a UFA next year, so... I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor was fully unleashed next year, not so much this year, but yeah. he's really interesting because if if Marlon Mack wasn't on this team, you could make the case Taylor is the 101 over like, – it, it wouldn't you know be a lock, but you could easily make the case. Like He fits this offense so well. Um, Colts, according to Football Outsiders, fourth in the league in second-level yards. Like they just, they just mashed dudes up front. So the scheme fits and everything is great for Taylor. The offense should be better with Rivers there. I just have no idea what Marlon Mack's role is going to be because I mean, I, I have no clue. I, yeah. So I just don't, the, the lifespan of a running back is so short that I just don't think you spend this kind of draft capital to, uh, do like a pseudo red shirt with Jonathan Taylor. I yeah. mean, Marlon Mack's been great. Um, in real life, he's been great for fantasy, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta kind of read the tea leaves on this one. It wasn't like it came out of nowhere and Jonathan Taylor fell into the Colts lap and they couldn't pass on the value. And that's why they made the pick. There were rumblings that the Colts were going to be a team that were targeting the running back early in the draft, like, uh, weeks or months before the draft happened. So it's, it's, it didn't come out of nowhere. It's, it's a team that wants to upgrade the position for whatever reason. Um, they, I, and it just maybe they just love the talent in this class so much that they're willing to move on from Mac. But like you said, with that contract expiring soon, um, I I would assume that Taylor just steps into the lead role, even if it's like uh, even if it's 15 touches per game instead of 20, which we love. That's go that's going to be a very valuable asset in this offense. Uh, Philip, this whole offense is is really interesting. I think there um, there's a lot to like here. What what they didn't do was draft an all-around back Jonathan Taylor Mm -hmm. he wasn't asked to do much in the passing game um, so that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't do it but we haven't seen it and one thing we know about Rivers like I talk about with Stafford but to an even even more extreme Rivers loves throwing to the running back and uh, if they continue to do that then I actually think that this draft pick instead of drafting like a J.K. Dobbins or something keeps Naheem Hines alive as a PPR uh, like deep sleeper in redraft leagues. Yeah, I think this time in 2021, 
Taylor could legitimately be like a second round pick and redraft. For sure, yeah, absolutely. In fact, but, assuming uh, Marlon Mack walks, he probably will be. Because their offensive line isn't even uh, yeah, like it's not I, like I it's old or anything. Agree. Like their offensive line is led by one of the best young players in the NFL and Quentin Nelson. Um they're going to be more run oriented. They were really run heavy uh last year. Um so I don't think bringing in a 40-year-old Phil Rivers changes that. Jonathan Taylor really really interesting. Um yeah, I think I think Marlon Mack is like somebody you could just draft really late and you know, maybe the first couple of weeks of the season, he's getting like 12 to 15 carries a game as Taylor gets eased in. But um, yeah, Taylor's obviously the guy of their future with, with Max at the hit free agency next year. Um, Cam Akers, who was my favorite back just kind of to break down from this class because he's so interesting because that offensive line at Florida State was atrocious. Um, he goes to the Rams, who definitely had a need at running back. They still have Daryl Henderson. They still have Malcolm Brown. Obviously, Todd Gurley's gone. I like Akers a lot. Uh, I think he's really good after contact. He kind of had to be last year because the offensive line was so bad. Uh, Graham Barfield mm-hmm. from Fantasy Points, the, their new site. Shout out to Graham and everybody there. Uh, he does the yards created stuff, and he pointed out that he was he averaged .57 yards blocked per attempt. He said that was the worst number he's had since creating the the metric. So, like, their offensive line was so bad. The Rams was really bad, too, last year. Um, 21% of the carries by the Rams were stuffed at the line of scrimmage one of the worst rates in the NFL. So if they can't improve, it could be kind of a similar situation for Akers, but he's also got a shot to be this team's lead back. The offense isn't going to be like it was a couple years ago, but it should still be average to above average. Uh, And I think they throw to the running backs more this year. That was the big knock on Gurley last year. He was not involved in the passing Mm -hmm. game. Akers is a pretty good pass catcher. I'm intrigued by Cam Akers. Yeah, I I think I'm probably going to be – a little colder on him than than uh, most people are in redraft uh, just because kind of the reasons you laid out like they they still don't have a very good offensive line they're a team that's going to run a ton of three wide receiver sets and they didn't throw to the running backs a lot last year um, and he can do it but are they going to they they yeah. were last in the league in, in both uh, running back target share and running back touch share this year um, uh, I still think they're going to continue that uh, the three wide receiver sets. They they drafted Van Jefferson uh, relatively early, who could be their their third wide receiver now after um, Woods and Cup. And the one thing about these running backs is specifically Gurley. He's been insanely touchdown dependent. Even last year, uh, finishes the RB fifteen, but that was buoyed by an insanely high touchdown rate. I think he scored on something like six percent of his touches. So. Uh, Darrell Henderson is still there. I, th- I don't think Cam Akers just goes in and, and takes yeah. over the lead back role. Um, so I think it's going to be a little bit of a messy backfield and, and a backfield that they're going to need a lot of touchdowns for someone to to um, have that buoyed fantasy season. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep repeating that. I could see Cam Akers, like, you could draft him. Now you're probably going to draft have to draft him. Actually, I don't know. It might even be earlier than... I'm 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 trying to get to the point where I could see him having like a Devin Singletary type season where he's not really sure. re- released uh, or unleashed in the first half of the year. Then the second half he kind of gets wins out. Um, I mean Daryl Henderson's talented; he's a good pass catching back. Malcolm Brown probably just goes to being like a third down occasional situational back. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. The Ravens add J.K. Dobbins, which is interesting. The the best run offense in the NFL. They called run fifty four percent of the time last year. Lamar Jackson's obviously going to take carries. Um, that yep. hurts. 
Mark Ingram was their quote-unquote lead back last year. I mean, Mark Ingram never saw 20 carries in the game, and he averaged 13.4 carries per game. So, like, the lead back in the run-heaviest offense in the NFL only averaged 13 carries per game. So, yeah. that tells me that, A, Lamar Jackson's obviously taking a lot of weight. It also tells me, B, that they will use a second back. They used Gus. Gus Edwards was, like, in my opinion, legit, like, the second or third best handcuff in fantasy because they already gave him, like, six carries a game. But they also tendered him. Like, they brought him back this year in the offseason. Now they add J.K. Dobbins at pick 55. I I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't see it for me with J.K. Dobbins this year. Because it's not only like if he wins out somehow and plays over Mark Ingram, but like Lamar Jackson, you can make the you could say he's not gonna run as much. He's still gonna get probably he's still gonna run the sure. ball ten or eleven times a game. Yeah, it's no no running back is going to get 20 touches a game in this offense it just it the, the, just math alone doesn't let it work out um i mean mark ingram is on the wrong side of thir- 30 uh jk dobbins is going to be a much more explosive back uh, um ingram's been a pretty good pass catcher uh throughout his career a lot of that was with the saints we didn't see a ton of that last year jk dobbins can offer that to the ravens uh i mean the one thing i would say is they still don't really have any pass catchers mark andrews is going to be the alpha pass catcher there um i know they drafted uh devin uh duvernay or duvernay um in the third round yesterday but uh i mean does a third does a third round wide receiver come in even in a really bad wide receiver core and command a lot of targets so dobbins down the stretch could be a ppr guy no i already mentioned this but another like um like miles sanders from last year where mark ingram is is in the way early in the year and then jk Dobbins just gets really involved in the second half of the season so if you are going to draft him probably a a draft and hold situation but the one thing that lamar is going to do um this assuming this offense can maintain what it did last year is he's going to provide a lot of of touchdown upside and and a rushing quarterback is going to benefit their running backs in terms of of opening up lanes for them and, and giving them some easier um opportunities for those those big boom plays uh but dobbins is a, he's a draft and hold if if you are looking at him this year Perhaps one of the more exciting picks for a lot of people for fantasy because of the landing spot. Pick 76, Tampa Bay gets Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. True or false, Keyshawn Vaughn will be a top three rookie running back this year. Uh, True. I agree. Um, Just because because Brady's there, um, it it was like if if the Buccaneers got out of day two without – um, a running back, I would have said Rojo is going to be a, a top 20 fantasy back this year because Brady's mm-hmm. there. Um, a lot of people, obviously, they, they brought in Gronk. They got the receivers from last year. Um, Brady is going to target the running back. He he just can't push the ball down the field anymore. I know people want to talk about the weapons that um, that he had or the lack of weapons he had for possibly being a reason. He just wasn't accurate on on any type of deep throw, on any throw uh, like over 12 yards. It was If you look at his accuracy numbers, his on-target percentage, they all just fell off a cliff last year, and that's what quarterbacks do. They fall off cliffs. They're not gradual declines. So they're going to use the running back heavily. Um, They're going to use the tight ends heavily. They're going to use Chris Godwin heavily. Um, Mike Evans is still going to be a big loser in this offense, at least compared to last year. Uh, So Vaughn is going to be heavily involved in this offense, and I think he— For me, me it was like a message almost because they drafted— Keyshawn Vaughn, who his strengths are pass blocking and pass catching. Absolutely. And Ronald Jones, and those and are his weaknesses. And Bruce Arians, first of all, this scheme, this this regime did not draft Ronald Jones. They don't owe him anything. Right. 
Secondly, there were probably three instances last year where Rojo missed a blitz pickup and didn't go back in the game. And Brady is not. Right. I mean, we know Arians isn't going for that. If you do that once with Brady, it's, you're not going to see the field yeah. for the rest of the year. Um, so I have Keyshawn Vaughn as my, as my RB25 right now. Yeah, I mean, for as far as rookies go, uh, I think it's it's probably C.H., Jonathan Taylor, yep, and then Keyshawn right. Vaughn. 18, and 20, Vaughn 18 for, 21, for and 25 in that order for at the yeah. moment. So. There's yeah, a ton absolutely. of upside. He's really, really good after contact. According to PFF, 700, over 700 of his yards came after contact. Um, he, he was a really, really good pass protector, which is, I mean, Bruce Arians was just livid with Ronald Jones for a lot of games for that reason. So I, I could see him starting right away. Um, this is one of the best landing spots for, for any rookie running back, obviously. It's been, it's been you know, focused on for a while. Um Two more notable running backs, and then we'll get to a couple receivers and get out of here. Um, the Bills, they were a team that I thought would go running back in this draft. They did, but they didn't do it until pick 86, taking Zach mm-hmm. Moss from Utah. A lot of people are thinking this is bad news for Devin Singletary. I'm, I don't know if I'm biased. I don't think it's great news because they drafted kind of a, a bruising bigger back for the for the goal line. I mean, Singletary was was RB was like a, a decent RB two last year without scoring. So like. Do we need him to be getting all the goal line looks anyway? He only had like one goal line carry. Zach Moss is a threat to take away from that. But Singletary, over 15 touches per game in the second half. He was really, really good uh, from week eight on. 11th in rushing yards, 5th in avoided tackles, 20th in fantasy points. Um, he was very good. To me, if they could have went running back at 54, and I would have been like, okay, like that's bad. If They t- they, c- they could have had anybody outside of Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Everybody else is on the board. They didn't. They waited, and they took Zach Moss. Um, I think Singletary's still going to get 15 touches a game. Hope he could lose goal line work, especially because Josh Allen's already there. So you're already yep. losing that anyway. That's why I don't think the Zach Moss signing is or draft is a huge deal because he was already losing goal line work to Josh Allen anyway. He he was losing goal line work to Josh Allen, but I mean, if we look at at uh, the trend towards the end of the season, you mentioned week eight on, uh, they started using him a lot over the last five weeks of the season. He was near the top of the league in terms of team touch share. They were feeding the, him the ball very heavily over the last month of the season. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier in the in the podcast like that that two thirds of running back touch share mark is kind of what we're looking for if we're looking for top fifteen, top twelve running back potential at least in terms of touches or touch share and. And I think Singletary still um, maintains that Frank Gore was like a thorn in the side. And I think that's all really Zach Moss is going to be is a little bit of an annoyance and something, someone that might keep, um, he might keep Singletary from like the 22 touch games, but I definitely, I don't think he, he's going to drop him below like 16 or 17 touches. Yeah. People, people are saying uh, Zach Moss like kills Singletary's value. He hurts his ups, his overall upside because he, He's not going to get 20 touches a game, I don't think. Or if anything, he'll, he'll max, absolutely max at that, in my opinion. And he's not going to see, you know, I would be shocked if he scored, like, more than, like, eight rushing touchdowns, unless he broke a bunch. But he, he that just hurts his overall upside. But I had him at, like, the RB 16, 17, 18 range anyway, and I didn't really move him. Um, I think Zach Moss is a guy you can take late because he should be able to kind of surpass TJ Yeldon and be the RB2. Um, and this is still a run first offense and an offense that should be, you know, good. They've, they, they've been improving each year and now they add Stefan Diggs and the offensive yeah. coordinator is really good in Brian Dable. So you can draft Zach Moss late, but I don't, I think people are saying this 
hurt Singletary in a big way. I think they're I think they're mistaken to be honest. I don't know if I'm yeah. um, if I'm biased, but no. that's just how I feel. I think if you could find props or somebody to make bets with you that you can make money on Antonio Gibson outscoring Zach Moss in 2020. That is a perfect segue because I want to talk about Antonio Gibson, who running back slash wide receiver goes to the Redskins. They also drafted um, who they draft today, uh, Gandy Golden or whatever. Yep. So yep. maybe that hurts, but they were. Re- I saw a lot of tweets from the Redskins beat reporters after they drafted him. They were talking about using him as like somebody said they're going to use him like Christian McCaffrey, which obviously not to that extent, but like as a receiver, like he's versatile. He's a big dude, um, really good in terms of after the catch, can play running back and play receiver. Probably going to play slot receiver for them. Um, but you also look at it. There's a lot of avenues to him touching the ball, whether it's as a receiver because we know the receiving core is outside of McLaurin, probably the worst in the NFL or up there. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they have five, six running backs for now, but Darius Geis has missed more time than anyone the last two years. Adrian Peterson's 35 years old. Bryce Love hasn't played because he was hurt before he came out. He tore his ACL or whatever. And it's like Peyton Barber's just a guy. Like, J.D. McKissick's not every now back. So, A.J. or not A.J. Dillon, um, Antonio Gibson is like a really interesting sleeper from this from this, uh, from this this draft. Yeah, and they're, they're still going to be a really bad team, right? So they're not going to be in, in scripts that is going to f- favor Adrian Peterson if he plays at all um, or if he plays a significant um, amount. And you already talked about guys not really being able to stay on the field or if they even care to keep him on the field um, with a new head coach in town. So we know that uh, that Ron Rivera was able to, uh, to, to implement Christian McCaffrey, obviously one of the best running backs um, of, of this decade, if not of our generation. So it's not that you can't really compare Gibson to him, but we know that he likes a versatile running back. And if you're going to, you're going to be on a team that is going to probably be in a lot of pass heavy game scripts. So who's going to be on the field for them? Um, Gibson, I think that's who's going to win out. They just have a lot of not talented backs, right? Talent, not talented or old backs right now. Um, so they spent decent draft capital on Gibson. I think they probably intend on using him. Like who else is going to catch the ball? Like maybe St- Steven Sims came on a little late last year, but they just don't have really any pass catchers here. Yeah. He's super interesting. Um, do you want to mention anything about AJ Dillon being a Packer in the second I, round? It's so preposterous. No, third round. Well, it's, no, it was the second round. It's like people are saying Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are free agents after they're in contracts here. You don't worry about running backs a year before free agency with it's bad. It's the AJ Dillon pick to me was, was way more egregious than the Jordan love pick. Um, I don't know. I think they're they're both (laughs) really bad. I don't know if it's more egregious, but it's, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't move the needle in fantasy for me. It's not something I'm I'm really interested in. It just, uh, I mean, trying, the guy literally I, needs. I don't even two know. Injuries. I don't even know how to think about the it. The guy literally yeah. needs two injuries. Yeah. Um, people, Aaron Jones still just not going to be fully freed because Jamal Williams is going to be a thing, which I talk about all the time. People hate me for it. I love Jamal Williams, so I have no problem with it. Um, all right, let's get to some of these receivers and get out of here. Let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Was this mm-hmm. was this where you were going? No, it wasn't. Okay, so, so this is where your, I was I'd love going. To hear your take on it, though. A lot of people, for good reason, are talking about the Carolina Panthers as a team that's going to be playing from behind a lot with their defense. Mm-hmm. I think Jacksonville's going to be playing from behind a lot. I think they throw the ball a ton this year. They bring in Jay Gruden as the offensive coordinator, who's been pass he- pass heavy yep. in his career as a coordinator, as a play caller. Their defense continues to take hits. Um, you know, AJ Boye gone. 
Uh, they lose they, their D line is really banged, uh, really really depleted. They obviously lost Ramsey last year. I don't think Yannick Ngakwe plays for this team. Whether he just like he does not want to play there. I don't know if they're going to trade him or not, but I don't see him having a future with this team. I think this team is very pass heavy. You bring in Lavisca Chanel, who's really talented. Could have been a first round pick if he didn't have a lot of injury issues uh, at Colorado. Really, only has to compete for targets with DJ Shark. Especially mm-hmm. if they trade Leonard Fournette, their running game could be war. Like Leonard Fournette's not incredible, but like they could be starting like Rykel Armstead. Like this could just be a really bad team that throws the ball a ton. Like like Minshew, who I like as a sleeper anyway, could like I could see them maybe not to the to the extent. But remember Allen Robinson his last the last healthy year in Jacksonville where he just yeah. him and Bortles had all the garbage time. I think they could be close to that in terms of passing volume this year. And LaVisca Chenault, really good after the catch, 7.4 yards after the catch per reception. I only th- I think DJ Chark's his only competition for, like, I think if he's healthy, he could easily slide in as a number two receiver there. I, I like him a lot as a, as a late-round pick. So sure. we, we weren't on the same guy. I didn't think I'd be really interested in Jacksonville's passing offense. But in terms of a volume perspective, and when you look at a lot of these other receivers, they have more competition for targets potentially. I don't know. I, I'm going to be taking Chenault a lot in the end of my drafts. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you do make the points about Jaguars defense, and and I do like what they did, um, day one, getting a, getting a, a rusher and getting a cornerback, um, but I don't think that's going to come, that's not going to make them like, um, an an eight or nine win team all of a sudden. Uh, so I do agree with you from from the, um, the game flow standpoint. Um, I'm actually more interested in Chanel because I think the Jaguars are still um, one of the few teams that can end up with cam newton or Jameis winston um that would be so i that's actually why i i still kind of like targeting this offense like if i don't know this week or right now if you're in best ball leagues or something if obviously if, if they land one of those guys um probably you see a spike in adps for everyone across the board um if it's Jameis, it's probably a, a situation where Minshew starts and has to get benched which i don't think is insanely unlikely i know that if, if, if they bring in Jameis. I might move DJ Shark to like wide receiver fifteen. Yeah, I mean, because I th- I think what the most likely scenario there is that Minshew has a b- a bad start to the season before Jameis can come in. Like I know a lot of people like Minshew and he's fun and and he was a a fun fantasy quarterback last year, but he was he also had a stretch where when Nick Foles was healthy, they were like, okay, we're ready for Foles because right. Minshew's actually playing pretty bad. A lot of people forget about that part of the season. Yeah, um, so that's Foles in the had range the collarbone injury. Minshew yeah. was the guy for weeks, and then Foles immediately came back. And I think it was the Colts game where he started again. Yeah, and 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 then I be, and then they went back to Minshew, I think. But the point is, he wasn't a clear starter over Nick Foles, um, even after Nick Foles got hurt and came back. But uh, then, if it's Cam Newton, I think it just means Cam Newton starting right away. But either way, um, I think it's just an interesting situation because um, the it, there are guys that if you're playing best ball right now, if you're in dynasty leagues and doing drafts, um, you could probably get. Chenault and then Chark is expensive, but both of their prices could spike if they they go with either of those quarterbacks. Yeah, I might be crazy, but at the moment, I, and it could go back and forth. But I think I have, I have Lavisca Chenault as my wide receiver three among the rookies projected Oof. this year. It's wild. It's real weird. Was the was the guy on your mind? I'm going to take a guess. Was it Denzel Mims? No, it's okay. Michael Pittman. Oh, okay. So I I wanted to actually talk about Michael Pittman. Uh, but I want to talk about the running backs first because he was the second pick of the yesterday's draft. I have it in order, so I skipped over him. So yeah, definitely talk about okay. Michael Pittman because we should have talked about him already. 
Um, I mean, I, like, so this is we we talked about the the backfield already a, a little bit and bringing in Philip Rivers, and they were one of the most run heavy teams um, in the league last year, last year. But that was a function of um, of having Jacoby Brissett under center. Center, um, no player on the Colts last year exceeded a 14% target share. A lot of that had to do with the fact that TY only played 10 games, but after TY, who is it? Um, Jack Doyle will, will be in the mix with Eric Ebron gone. And then, um, Zach Pascal was tied for team lead in targets. And then there was Paris Campbell who they spent draft capital on, but now they get Pittman who I think is better than both of those guys. So if there's going to be a, a sneaky, um, rookie wide receiver that climbs up the at least target numbers i think it's going to be michael Pittman. i i don't think philip rivers is as washed as people think um i know some of the balls he throws look really bad but if we look at his on target numbers down the field they were actually uh middle of the pack uh in the league so not as bad as somebody like tom brady who we saw fall off a cliff so i, I think philip rivers still has a little bit left in the tank uh this is a team that i actually think can uh, with their good offensive line, with Rivers, can make a run um, at the division uh, that probably wants to just make a run in the AFC. Now that it's really just the it's the uh, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and everybody else with Tom Brady and no Bills. longer in, in New Bills. England, <laughs> and, and <laughs> Pfeiffer's Bills. Um, but but the the three seed is wide open in the AFC, yeah. um, and I think Colts are a team that can make a run at it. Yeah, so I like I said, we talked about Jonathan Taylor first and the running back, so I completely skipped over Pittman, and I lied right to your face, by the way. I was con- contemplating Chanel as a wide receiver, my wide receiver three among the rookies. He's wide receiver five at the moment, so okay, um, it, it's not as spicy as I thought it was, but I still like him. But yeah, Michael Pittman's probably already the number two receiver on this team, and if we look at it, like the, the personnel they're going to have on the field, right? It's going to be Rivers, it's going to be either Marlon Mack or Jonathan Taylor, who aren't very great pass catch. They're capable, but they're not great pass catching backs. And it's T.Y. Hilton, who's you know over 30 years old and has missed time. It's Pittman. It's probably Paris Campbell in the slot. And then it's Jack Doyle. Like They don't have guys that just command a 25% target share like a, like a DeAndre Hopkins or a Michael Thomas or anybody like that. So, yeah. And they're going to throw downfield way more than last year. Jacoby Brissett yep. would not throw downfield, which is why... Um, you know, T.Y. Hilton was a, more of a red zone guy because they didn't use him down the field. Um, Jacoby Brissett last year with the Colts averaged, I think it was 5.3, yeah, 5.3 air yards per completion, third, second lowest rate in the league. Like, Rivers, for as you know bad as he was a deep passer last year, he at least took shots. And I know they had Mike Williams and, and different weapons, but I th- I, they're going to throw the ball downfield way more, which is good for a guy like Michael Pittman. So, yeah, he's he's right. Him and Chenault are right there for me. I think they were two of my favorite picks for fantasy from that second round. Um, so yeah, definitely glad you brought him up because I would have skipped it right over him like an idiot. I don't think we need to talk about Cole Komet and the Bears ten tight ends. I don't think we're drafting him. <laughs> no, um, none none of the tight end rookie tight ends are yeah. almost never relevant, and and this year's not going to be any different. Chase Claypool to the Steelers gives them a, another yep. kind of red zone guy. They like they have. They kind of have three tight ends right now because Claypool could look at 6'4", 238. Like, he's like a tight end. So, like, Ebron, yeah, Vance, McDonald, right and Claypool. Now. You have Juju as the alpha. Then do you think this – because Deontay Johnson could definitely be a sleeper this year. Do you think this kind of hurts him? I don't think it does. Um, but I, I just uh, I just don't think you draft any of those tight ends for sure. Um, they're pretty – different receivers yeah um, completely different Johnson receivers. and Claypool so yeah I don't think it, it hurts 
uh, Deontay Johnson's um, like wherever you were on him. I don't think it moves him. They're, I wasn't really high on on Steelers outside of, of Juju to begin with. Um, yeah. I mean, this this isn't really addressing what Claypool um, does directly to the receiving core. But you got to think that James Conner is is one of the big winners of this Dude. draft with with uh, Steelers not taking a running back. I had what they no. Took. They took McFarland. Yeah. What was that? The fourth round today, or yeah, was that they, they late took yesterday? Him, they took him today. Okay. Um, I had no expectations of having any interest in James Conner after this weekend. Right. And now I'm starting to kind of – I'm still not crazy high on him because, you know, they they're, they already said they're not bringing him back next year. So, like, maybe you just – maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they just run him into the ground, which I don't know if it's possible because he's been hurt the last couple of years a lot. He left the game like five, six different times last year. But they, are, they also said they're going to – they were definitely taking it back – and I guess they did, but we were expecting a second or third round pick, not a fourth or fifth. So yeah, James yeah. Conner is a. You can make the case now that Matt Breed is on the on the Dolphins. James Conner is probably the biggest winner of all the veterans. Uh, Conner, other and than Dak. It, yeah, Conner, and then um, I mean maybe uh, Chris Carson, Carson yeah, or Rashad Chris Penny Carson. as well. And we're like Rashad Penny is a guy that they spent first round draft capital on. I think they're so run heavy. Um, that the Seahawks are gonna, probably going to have two very viable fantasy backs now. Yeah, Penny down the stretch last year before he got hurt, like he was over like he was like thirteen, fourteen carries a game with yep, Carson Acton. Exactly. So they were both able to to produce like decent RB two numbers. I guess the last thing before we got here, Denzel Mims of the Jets. It makes sense. Like they they brought in Perryman, but they still kind of you know they bring in another deep threat to replace Robbie Anderson. Denzel Mims Denzel Mims is really really talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eight out of nearly fifteen last year. Good news, like there's a lot of targets kind of open for the Jets right now. Jameson Crowder yep. is the, essentially their lead guy, but they haven't gotten anything consistent out of their tight end in decade almost, pretty much. I know Herndon was hurt last year and suspended, but you have a starting receiver trio of Jameson Crowder, Bashad Perriman, and Denzel Mims. That's good. There's opportunity. The bad news is he's on an Adam Gase offense, so. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the Jets um, had a, a very good, at least uh, day one, uh, round one, uh, getting Mekhi Becton and, and Denzel Mims without having to trade at all um, is a really good scenario for them. The problem with Mims' fantasy outlook, and I, I, this is still, I think it's just going to be a really bad offense with Sam Darnold. Um, I just don't see Sam Darnold making the leap. Um, Adam Gase is, is going to... Just do everything that we hate um, for an offense. Uh, Rashad Perriman, I don't think he's going to make a, a huge splash in this offense. He's going to be a deep threat that could stretch it a little bit. Um, but I, it's just a team that uh, that I'm just not really too excited about um, in fantasy at all. So uh, Denzel Mims probably more of a, a dynasty buy for me. I think he could be the clear wide receiver one for this team in, in 2021. But I think 2020 is still a little bit of a mess here. The Jaguars just drafted another six-round quarterback, so it's pretty lit. <laughs> um, anything else? Uh, I'll, th- this is one of the more wild uh, drafts for fantasy I can remember because there's so many skill yeah. players. Like we don't have a ton of corners and edge brushers, and you know, all, you had the tackles in the first round at offensive line, but then it, we got, I think there was 13 receivers or 14 receivers drafted yesterday, so. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Kind of now that we have landing spots for all these dudes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, my big takeaways from from the draft are um, 
Dak, obviously the big winner here, and, and I said it kind of tongue in cheek on Soulcast yesterday, but he's legit in the running for for fantasy QB one now with that team. I mean, I know it's it's Lamar and um and, and Patrick Mahomes, but uh, I mean touchdowns and scoring are a very high variance thing, and and with this offense, he's a he's a quarterback that could definitely um, overtake them as the QB one if there is somebody yeah. uh, that does it. Um, I'm pretty sure and, he has the most rushing touchdowns among quarterbacks since he's entered the league too. Yeah, and that's obviously just that's. I mean, anybody knows that the the rushing ability is is really going to spike the uh, the quarterback um, value, and then um, uh, I mean, just a fun a, a fun day in terms of like how much we're going to be able to use some of these rookies and in, in fantasy. I think will probably probably end up being one of the more. Um, the more useful and exciting seasons from a fantasy and rookie perspective that we've seen in a really long time. Yeah, and I should be joking when I say this, but I'm kind of not. Alan Lazard is like kind of legit a winner. <laughs> I've been the tweeting about so him stupid. for stupid. I've been tweeting about him for like six weeks, man. Dude, the Packers are so dumb. I cannot believe the <laughs> draft they just put together. Like, I, I wish. I haven't wished anything this much in my life but to be a fly in the wall in Aaron Rodgers house the last two nights I mean holy shit the things that have come out of that guy's mouth I can't imagine yeah he's losing his mind it's wild uh T talk about four for four because I started uh doing some content for you guys last year was a lot of fun Uh, I've always been a big fan of the site which is why I want to do some work for you so uh I was glad to be a part of four for four and uh, I know you mentioned John Paulson's been doing the live uh, draft tracker and you mentioned some best ball content coming soon. So what's going on at 444? Yeah, man, we have uh, we really haven't um, had an offseason this year. We've just been pumping out a, a ton of content. Uh, we did a ton of pre-draft stuff, obviously, with best ball. Uh, we'll be continuing doing best ball, obviously, now that the draft is over and kind of moving into full redraft season now that we know uh, landing spots and can start working on some depth charts. Uh, got uh, – got, uh, some new betting content up. We did a lot of betting content uh, going into the season. We'll be working on some some futures, and then obviously as we get closer to the season, uh, uh, a lot more betting content at four for four. Uh, and then as we get into summer and closer to the season, you'll see me transitioning from uh, best ball over to to DFS. But for now, make sure you're checking out the site. In the next week, we'll just be having tons of play player profiles, uh, very detailed reactions on all the movement, uh, the rookies and the players that they impacted. So uh, keep a lookout for that at 444.com and all my stuff easy to find. If it's not on 444, it's at Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Yeah, and you'll know it's him because he's had Stewie Griffin as his picture for as long as I've known him. I can't change it at this point. (laughs) I changed mine to a a combination of Trey White, Marvin Jones, pretty much every other week, Um, who, by the way, Still, still trying to get Marvin Jones on the podcast. It's my goal. Um, Do it, dude. Marvin Jones legit going to be a value again this year because he's so good and yep, he's he's absolutely. Just a I'm buying. I'm buying that uh, that Lions passing game in general. Hundred percent. Stafford. I have a ton of all Stafford's going to be so good this year. Yep. Love Stafford. I absolutely agree. Tej, always good talking to you. Enjoy the. Uh, I'm sure you'll be playing a lot of poker until we get some sports back, and hopefully you're staying sane during this time. Talk to you soon. Again, that's TJ Hernandez at TJ Hernandez on Twitter. This has been fun. A lot of news, a lot of changes. Can't wait to sit down and do my rankings and edit some of the stuff from the craziness that was the 2020 NFL Draft. Have a good rest of your weekend. Stay safe. We'll talk to you guys next time.